On Friday, a teenage girl was stabbed and killed on Graham Avenue, just steps from the police headquarters. We checked in with Inner City Youth Alive to discuss the ongoing problem with youth and crime in our city. We also spoke to a former CFL player and now retired teacher who does a lot of work to help prevent bullying. He's written a book called Taming Mad Dog, so we talked to him about the book and about something interesting he learned through CJOB. Global News Morning reporter Clay Young joined us from the airport as they get ready for the busiest travel season of the year. And we had fun talking about hotel pools because Greg had a fun time staying at the Delta over the weekend and enjoying their indoor pool. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, December 18th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Cold morning. Going to warm up through the week. One week to go, Loren McNabb, until the big day, Christmas Day. And, of course, the question, I just got asked this on the weekend at one of the kids' games. Y'all ready for Christmas? And I really wondered, is, is there someone out there who actually answers yes? And by that, I just mean, I, you could probably have, like, bulk of your gifts purchased, but there's always those last-minute things if you're someone who makes a big deal out of Christmas Day, including the food or the little items or the one person you think, uh-oh, I should get something else for them. So I'd, I'd love to know if someone is well and truly ready, Greg. You're never ready. No, for anything. No, no. Just like this you're not is... ready to have kids or marriage or Christmas. <laughs> and even even with Christmas, we know it falls the same day every year, and we fall into the same trap of thinking, yeah, I got lots of time to do that. You're still ultimately running around on the 23rd, the 24th, maybe stopping at the gas station or whatever retailer might be uh, open on Christmas Day as you make your way to a family gathering. Oh, geez, I really should have got so-and-so something, and... Oh, I hope uh, this place is open or that place is open. A good old lottery stand always helps on Christmas Day <laughs> for the last minute. Hey. So just make sure you have a bunch of blank Christmas cards. This is this is a strategy mm. we employ at our house. We always have uh, blank birthday cards and blank Christmas cards just in case you're going somewhere and you remember at the last minute. Oh, gee whiz, I missed so and so's birthday. And then uh, you have a you have a card at the ready, and then you can uh, slap in a scratch ticket or something on the way. I think gas station gifts like <laughs> I take a scraper, you know, a windshield scraper because I'm always losing mine. Or you move them from car to car, or you lend them to somebody, right? That's a, that's not the world's worst gift. No, nope. a couple scented trees along with some lottery presents. I think the idea of having the gift cards is genius, along with a few gift bags always at hand. Oh, gift bags, yes, yes. absolutely. My, I inherited from my mom actually a whole container of cards she purchased over the years for all eventualities. And by that, I just mean what inherited when they sold the farm, there was extra things. And it's just a container of, you know, anniversary cards, birthday cards, different greetings. And it's shocking how handy that's become. How many cards showed, are in there? Oh, it started off with easily over a hundred. Wow. And I bet you there's still 60 in there now. Some of them are old. Like they are, they, there's, they really should not be given to anyone. The sentiments <laughs> in them are like, you're like, Oh, that might have been funny in 1985. But, but like, I think it's cool to have because someone shows up and they might have come bring the baby for a visit. You haven't seen the baby yet. And you think, Oh my gosh, I have a card downstairs. You know, congratulations on your first baby or your engagement or what have you. I think it's kind of neat. And the gift. The card is people are always so surprised when you have something nice like that. My uh, mother-in-law has a, <laughs> a closet 
in her house des- dedicated to all this stuff. So does Julie, actually, I think. Yeah, like just last minute gifts, she'll buy stuff and maybe not even for anybody in particular, but oh, I should maybe have a baby gift handy or whatever. It's it's kind of a magical place. I, I <laughs> My mother-in-law is special in so many ways. This that, that's, that's her brilliance on display there, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, I, I commend those who are that organized to have a closet or even a, like, how long did it take her to accumulate all those cards, Loren, your mom? I just think it's not something she did. I, I should ask her this, but I think the idea was that she she's a really kind and generous person and she doesn't want to forget anyone. And so in addition to these cards, they're also kind of like your mother-in-law, little gifts that she'd come along the way, knowing that it would come in handy for the next person who may have had that baby or got engaged or even went through a loss of a loved one. So I would say that's just like years worth of seeing cards and buying them. And I think also it's this this idea. Sometimes you go in the store and you can't find a card you like. You're like, these are all not what I'm trying to say. Uh Sometimes you find six of them and you're like, oh, I can't decide. And I think that's part of the problem. She'd buy two or three to decide which card she was going to give to said person. And then you'd have the extras left behind. I don't know if it was like an intentional, I should always have extra cards, other than that she likes the cards and found herself with more than she needed on each occasion. That that, that would be my guess. Yeah, that's fair. Because I've done that before where I, I went to the store looking for, and you're right, you, you go into a store, sometimes you read 50 cards and none of them are speaking to you. And then you look at two or three and you're like, well, these are all great. So I'll just take them all and I'll I'll, I'll eventually decide on one for this person. And then I've got two in the chamber for the next occasion. Clearly this is before greeting cards became $10 each. Sure. Oh, no, yeah. these were cheap. They, these, were, these, <laughs> these were good. That was a good thing. They were, they were good cards and they were cheap. Yeah. I, I had to buy a couple cards uh, on the, I guess last week and Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. I, I was shocked at the price of them. I knew they'd been getting increasingly expensive over the years but i wasn't prepared for you know 10.99 for a greeting card oh yeah some of them are outrageous now. yeah yeah i mean they're beautiful so you know and they express the sentiment and they mm-hmm. and they speak in an eloquence never possible uh, by yours truly but you know <laughs> well that's the that's the part about some cards you're like this person would never say that ever but on the opposite end if you don't have the worry away with words but you do mean those things. That's what's nice about it. I think the blank card's the way to go. Have like a hundred of those on hand and you'll use them for every occasion. I um I will I'll say this. I was at Spencer Gifts the other day looking for some some goofy gift for Christmas and uh I didn't realize they sell greeting cards. And so if you're if you like funny cards, even obscene cards, and I mean just in with the language, not like right. adult. Yeah. mature content, uh, then I would recommend that. I, I, cause I, and I, I should have picked them up because I'm, I'm kicking myself already. Cause there, there were like five cards there that I thought that's something I would definitely say <laughs> to somebody. So I might do, that might be a last minute Christmas stop for me. Mackling McGarry McNabb, the Winnipeg Jets made NHL history on Saturday night. It was South Asian Heritage Night at Canada Life Centre, and before puck drop, a group of local musicians, along with students from Amber Trail's choir, sung the national anthem in Punjabi. And now, for the first time in NHL history, O Canada will be performed in English and Punjabi. Joining Simmer Kaur Sethi are Herman Kaur Gudera, 
musicians, Dr. Kieran Paul Corsorore, Gurjode Mon, and the Amber Trails Community School Choir. For those of you who don't know, and I was just learning this this morning, Punjabi is the fourth most spoken language in this country, aborted on third. And so I can only imagine really what this meant to many within the South Asian community. And frankly, what it meant a lot to me. I mean, I thought that was pretty incredible to hear and see. I love the things the Winnipeg Jets are doing to show inclusiveness. I did not love some of the negative reaction I read on social media. I'm not going to share it. It's easy to find if that's what you want to read. I, I will say this. If you grew up in Canada but did not like what you saw in regards to the anthem on Saturday, I, I think you might have more growing to do because this is exactly, for me, what I grew up learning about Canada, the idea of the cultural mosaic, right, The uh, the versus the melting pot, the idea that we can have all these really amazing tapestries but still be woven together. And this wasn't the anthem being sung in place of O Canada. It was O Canada and one of the many languages Canada has embraced and return. So many who've moved to Canada have embraced a lot of what this country is about. And that includes hockey. I mean, hockey is hugely popular with Punjabi speaking Canadians. So popular there, there's hockey night in Canada in Punjabi where analysts and color commentators break down our game. And I think that's amazing. So to me, this was another way to connect us, um, not to divide. And I'm going to leave it at that, Greg. I don't know if I could say it any better than you just did, Loren. So I'm not going to try and say anything other than uh, bravo to you and your comments. I, I also was dismayed as to how quickly things turned into uh, racist conversation, commentary, and back and forth, even with individuals voicing their opinions as strongly as you did on social media. Uh, social media has just become a cesspool of, of thought and, and really lack of conversation and a lack of willingness to see one another's point of views. And so I, I'm, I'm following a lot of people. I, I think I'm just about done. I, I don't comment on social media much 
longer, but we've already had a text message this morning from one of our listeners wondering, wondering when Scandinavian night might be celebrated by the Winnipeg Jets. I, I, I don't understand that way of thinking. And it just you know, angers me that, that we have to have these discussions uh, in 2023, Brett. Mackling, we've got AEW tickets to give away, and the giveaway today has to do with something. You discovered something that's been right under your nose all this time. Yeah, and maybe for a lot of us, a place that we didn't realize that you might be able to get away from it all. A staycation is sometimes something we... uh, we, we like to enjoy, but where do you go? What do you do? You know, uh, do you count Grand Forks, Fargo, uh, Brandon in a staycation? I guess you could, but what about right here in Winnipeg? If you have kids and Lorraine, I know you and I would love to see a water park in Winnipeg oh, along yeah, with maybe. thousands of other people at every opportunity sort of like to throw out that possibility or, or have the discussion about why we don't have one and what we need to do to get one. One of the larger hotels downtown, I think many of us know that the Delta Hotel has a spectacular rooftop pool in the summertime, but did you know they have a spectacular indoor pool as well? And they actually have several rooms, two floors of rooms that look in over the pool. And basically it's like a tropical getaway in downtown Winnipeg. Absolutely spectacular. We were there for a celebration uh, on Saturday night and into Sunday morning. Uh, the Delta was incredible. We, we loved it. It was a great time and a hidden treasure. So we want to expand on that thought about other places right under our noses or maybe they're far afoot. Maybe they're far afield on the other side of the world. Pool stories. The best swimming pools you've ever been to. Tell us at 204-780-6868 your pool story for a chance to win tickets for AEW, All Elite Wrestling, Canada Life Centre, April 10th. And uh, speaking of rooftop pools, I stayed in Calgary at the Ramada in their downtown, and they had a rooftop pool, which was one of the coolest pool experiences ever because we were surrounded by all the skyscrapers in downtown Calgary uh, acting like children in our early to mid-20s. Uh, it was super fun. Poitras, what about you? Well, I've also, um, actually, it's not appropriate. I can't tell the story from that Calgary uh, Oh, come on. You, the same pool? The same pool. I wasn't in the pool, but I saw two people in the pool doing something that I can't repeat on air oh. in that exact pool, in the rooftop pool. leave it there? I'll leave it there. Uh, so it's funny that you brought that up. Uh, the pool was always the most... <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm totally thrown off. The pool was always the most... Uh, uh, exciting part of like going anywhere as a kid. Like you got to run to the pool. You annoyed your parents. Like they probably just wanted to sit there and relax. And then they had to take you to the pool after they've been driving all day. And you as a kid, just all of a sudden you've just been lazy and not wanting to do anything and falling asleep on suitcases before that. But all of a sudden you got this burst of energy at that exact moment. Um, but uh, I remember one time we were so excited to go to the pool and there was a water slide. Even I think there was, we were somewhere in the States and uh, when we got there, the, um, the water slide was closed because a uh, little kid had had an uh, accident and had oh, no. fouled the. Um, wow, I'm really grossing everybody out here with my <laughs> story. Oh, so uh, you couldn't even use the pool. Wow, there was a. It was, it was the. It was the slide. The pool oh, was still oh, open, no. but it was the slide. Oh, oh um, streaks, man. Streaks. So yeah, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm really sorry. 
<laughs> just gave me an opportunity to say fouling. Um, Forty, what about you? Uh, when I was twelve, I actually got invited to a all girls pool party. Oh, I was pretty happy. Yeah, I was hanging out with my friends, uh, Aaliyah and Carrie, and uh, hanging out with them. And uh, their friend Nicole called and was like, "Hey, like, want to come over for a swim? I'm having a bunch of the girls over." And they're like, "Hey, we're hanging with Jeff. Though, like, uh, can he come?" She's like, I, "I guess so." But I had a great time, you know. <laughs> I was the only guy there, and uh, you know, the girls had to change in the bedroom. I had to change in the bathroom. I was trying to get into the bedroom as well, but uh, the mother, the mother oh of the girl, was not having that oh at all. Uh, Loren, what about you? Okay, I've I've had the pleasure of being in some really great hotels, um, like whether you could see the Empire State Building in New York in a rooftop, uh, overseas, all sorts of places. But I, it doesn't really matter to me if it, the destination is amazing or if I'm even in Greg Regina. I will always love the pool. Like I've talked before about how I love a hotel, big or small. I love a hotel pool. So it comes to reason that my kids do too. Years ago, seven or eight years ago, they were really little. I had a friend in town visiting from Southern Ontario. She got a hotel room with her family. I won't name the hotel. It is a really nice hotel. And she says, come over, bring the kids by. We can all go for a swim. And so naturally, I'm excited. They're excited. We're super game. I wasn't going to swim, but I was excited about going to hang out at the pool. And then on the way to the city, I think, you know what? No, shoot. There might be a hot tub. Like, let's stop and get a swimsuit. I stop at a big box store, run in, get the cheapest, ugliest suit I can find, head out, get to the hotel. We hang out for a bit. Kids are all just jo- jazzed. Like, they're getting changed. There's like eight of us, nine of us getting ready to go down to the pool. You know, that kind of thing where you're like, do I just wear my swimsuit in the elevator? Who cares? What's the rule here? Everybody piles in. One of the kids says... I can smell the chlorine and we step off the elevator and another kid yells, you know, follow your nose because you can always smell where the pool is in a hotel. Get to the lobby, say to the front desk, which way to the pool? She says, there is no pool. We say, but we can smell it. She says, that's a fountain. And you turn and you look at your kids' faces and they're all like six, seven, eight of them crushed that there's no pool. Kids start crying. There's no redeeming yourself. And honest to God, to this day, if we're going to stay in a hotel and I say there's a pool, my children ask for proof. Like a photo. (laughs) Show me the pool exists. That sucks. Disappointment. It was so disappointing. It could have been like a place to put my feet in. I would have been happier. Sarah? Yeah, so mine was in the city as well a few years ago when we would travel up here for sports. I think this must have been a hockey tournament and or something of the sporting stuff. I can't remember. But uh, I remember being with my team just in the pool and probably past our curfew for when we had our game like the next day. And we were just uh, pushing a limit here uh, to like closing time of the pool. I remember being on the slide, someone else coming down behind me, and all of a sudden the water stopped. We're on the slide. Oh, no. We have to, like, scoot down the slide <laughs> because there's no way you're moving, and it's quite painful. It's yeah. humiliating, too. Yeah. yeah that yeah. would be brutal. <laughs> it is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Thank you very much for joining us this Monday morning on The Start, one week out from Christmas, and before we get into the subject of holiday travel, we are doing something rather sad at 7.35, Loren. Well, you know, it's just, it's it's 40 people who have been killed in the city so far this year, and some of those victims are, are youth. And sometimes the people who are committing the crimes as well, the murders, are youth themselves. We don't know yet who the suspects are in the homicide 
police responded to on Friday, broad daylight, Graham Avenue, a teenager stabbed on Graham, busy corridor. We have few details, but we do know there are people out there who are working to try to prevent this sort of thing from happening. What are they going to say? How will they respond? We'll speak to Inner City Youth Alive just after 737. In the meantime, as we head into that final week before a two-week winter or Christmas break at school, business is about to pick up at Winnipeg Richardson International Airport. Yeah, getting away well ahead of holiday celebrations on the beach or elsewhere might not be a bad idea, Loren, especially based on how travel went this time last year. But I'm reading, hearing, seeing that airlines all across North America are pledging to be better prepared this year. And they're going to need to be because this is one of the busiest times of year. Travel season is nigh. Global News morning reporter Clay Young at the airport this morning. Good morning, Clay. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Uh, when do they expect things to really pick up this week, or have they already? Oh, they've picked up already. I mean, I'm looking at a sea of people. A sea of people, Loren, who are planning to get out of here today. I'm with uh, Michelle Rosette, Winnipeg Airports Authority. Boy, it's uh, it's busy in here already. It's busy, but it's an exciting time of the year. A lot of people are getting ready to take off to visit their family, those friends, those loved ones at this time of the year, or even head off on a dream holiday vacation. As you mentioned, a lot of people lining up this morning already, getting ready to take off on on their trip. And uh, we're going to see that throughout the week as well, too, with Friday lining up to be our busiest day of the holiday season. How many people on Friday do you think to be coming in and leaving here? Well, typically in the past, on that busiest day of the holiday season, we see between about 12,000 and 15,000 people travel through the airport. So a lot of excitement. If you are traveling on that day or really any day during the holidays, a good thing to remember is to arrive early. You're going to see some higher traffic volumes during those peak travel days, those peak travel times. So if you're flying to a domestic location anywhere within Canada, good rule of thumb is to arrive at the airport two hours before takeoff. Or if you're heading off on an international or American trip, come to the airport three hours before your flight okay a lot of people here so you know uh, guys back at the station i'm gonna do what i do i'm just gonna wade into the crowd hi how are you i'm great how are you i'm ducky thank you uh can i get your first name my name is linda linda and you you've got a whole gang here can i get your name helen helen linda helen and Martha. okay so uh where are you going we are actually heading to Tampa to visit my brother for Christmas. So you're going to Florida? We are going to Florida. Now, will you? Uh, is your luggage big enough that I could fit in there and you just smuggle me on? Unfortunately, we're just going carry-on, so no. <laughs> have you ever uh, spent Christmas in a nice warm place like Florida before? Yes, I oh, have. Oh, you have? Yes. This is something you like to do? Uh, no, actually, I quite like being at home for Christmas, but I also want to be celebrate with my brother who's down there so yeah i like a combination of both christmas is not necessarily the same if you're not at home right yeah you won't have any snow or anything like that but mind you mind you we've had a pretty nice uh, winter so far you might maybe you'll i got an idea you stay here and i'll go i'll take your ticket here you go (laughs) so are you excited to, to get away for christmas i am i am i had a good sleep last night so we're, we're we're cruising. Yeah. And are you excited to get away for Christmas? Yes. Yeah? I, I'm excited to see my family. Good. I'm. <laughs> you know, it's all about family. So let's go back to, to the big cheese here. Now, I want to, this is for uh, radio, but I, I noticed you're wearing a mask, right? 
I've got a mask. There it is. I keep a mask with me at all times now, uh, depending upon the situation. Um, is, to each his own. You're, you're not recommending. You're just saying, you know, we'll leave it up to the passenger. The choice is entirely up to you. You can wear a mask if you want. You don't have to wear a mask if you want. There are no right now regulations uh, related to COVID-19. But a good thing to remember is if you are flying to a different country is to make sure you do your homework ahead of time. Make sure you have all the requirements that you need before you take off. And that includes paperwork, visas if needed, any vaccinations or other requirements that you need to follow. That's not just for the country that you're going to, but also those that you're connecting through. So if your itinerary takes you through two or three different countries, make sure you have all those requirements for all the countries on your trip. Good stuff. All right, stay with us. You're not going anywhere, are you? Nope. Yeah, you're sort of my, uh, my bodyguard around here. Uh, okay, uh, any other questions, guys, or are we good? Always a pleasure to hear, especially when you do what you do, Clay, and wade into the crowd. Big smile on my face over here. That's what I, I do around here. I'm, Clay, wearing I, the Al Pacino, I'm wearing the Al Pacino suit today, too. I'm getting a lot of strange looks. <laughs> I just texted the gang to say every time Clay goes into the crowd, I picture some sort of crowd surfing incident, like where he just jumps off the stage, catch me, and then he wades through the crowd. And I love it. I love it, Brett. Clay Young, Global News Morning reporter Clay Young joining us live. Oh, and by the way, Clay is doing another, he's doing a show on Christmas Day, 7 until 10. What do you call it, Clay? You've got some sort of fancy title. Home for the holidays or something? Yeah. Home for the holidays. Except you won't be at home. You'll be here. I'll be, be, but it, 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 it brings joy to me, right? I, I love doing it. And you actually convinced the the powers that be to bring back a special producer for you, yes? Yes, I have Sky the Hawk Neller returning. <laughs> uh, Sky, Sky left us oh a good year ago uh, to pursue another career opportunity, which is fine. But Sky had been the producer for the first two uh, shows, the holiday shows, and so when uh, we were talking about it with the powers that be, I said I'd like to bring Sky back as the producer, and. But she hasn't worked here for a year. Uh, I want Scott. I want Scott. But she hasn't worked. And then I talked to Sky. I don't know how you're going to convince them to have me come back in there. I haven't been there in a year. No <laughs> Sky. No Clay Matt. All right. <laughs> so that's Christmas morning. Home for the holidays with Clay Young and 680 CJOB. It is Mackling McGarry McNabb. Just want a quick follow up on. We were talking about how I wanted to take a bus Saturday. I was went to see a friend out in Sage Creek. I uh, mm-hmm. couldn't get a bus into Sage Creek, uh, from what I could tell. But we've had a number of listeners point out that there's uh, something called the Dart service. It's like an on request. Uh, service where I could have gotten into Island Lakes or Southdale, and then that would have gotten me to Sage Creek because the the on request transit serves uh, looks like three zones, including uh, Southdale, Island Lakes. So thanks for pointing that out. I didn't know that it existed. Too bad Transit didn't point that out to you. Yeah, I didn't see it on their website, but I wasn't looking for it. And one of the listeners says it's poorly advertised. So, uh, but that's uh, that's good to know. Um, but we're asking you also about. Your pool stories. Greg spent some time at the indoor hotel pool at the Delta over the weekend, and we're just asking you, what's your hotel pool story? Loren, what does Christina say? When I was six years old, my brother was eight, my parents decided to take us to West Edmonton Mall. We were so excited to enjoy the pool and the wave pool and the water slides. After going up all the stairs to the biggest water slide and sitting inside the slide, I changed my mind of going down out of fear. 
my brother wasn't having it and didn't <laughs> hesitate to kick me so hard in the back to push me down the slide that I hit my head on every part going down. Safe to say, I will never go down the slide first ever again. Oh, siblings. Just good a good Christina. back kick. Good back kick right there. Oh, that's great. And probably no repercussions for his actions. That's what's bothersome. Yeah? From the brother. Oh, I'm sure. Unless Christina took care of business later. Let us know, Christina. <laughs> Did he get his comeuppance? <laughs> I yeah. want to know. The water slide, even if it's just a simple, like, one-off one, one off water slide. Canadians pull a park. I don't know if they still have it, but I stayed there in my 20s. It was Like, we booked a room there because for, I think it was my birthday. So we went and hung out in the pool and uh, we were like children because it was like, this water slide is so fast. It's so fast, man. It's just a simple, not a huge slide, but God, it was fun. There are some great water slides in uh, hotels all around. We stayed at a hotel on our way to Kansas. We drove to Kansas. Oh gosh, it's 15 years ago now, maybe longer with the boys. We stopped in a place called Brandon, South Dakota. Nice. And they had a water slide that actually went outside the hotel. Yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> and yeah. then came back inside. The kids thought that was incredibly cool. That, the Great Wolf Lodge in Minneapolis has that. And in winter, you like feel it because really? you're out in the, yeah. Like, oh, you're that's not neat. In the, you're not exposed. Like it's still a tube. Right. right? It's not like you're like suddenly in the freeze minus 40. You know you're colder, not in the building. But you though. know you're not in the building when you get out there. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's neat. So 204-780-6868 for a chance to win AEW tickets. All Elite Wrestling coming back to Winnipeg in April. Tell us your hotel pool story. We'll pick a winner at 915. Winnipeg police say more details on a fatal downtown stabbing will come later today. What we do know right now is that they're investigating the death of a teenage girl after she was stabbed on Graham Avenue and Fort Street Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon, 1 p.m., that's the time, so that's broad daylight. That's a busy street. Graham and Fort is where the Cargill building is, right where the downtown Tim Hortons is. It's home to a busy bus corridor and, and usually a lot of pedestrian traffic. Police say right now what they believe is the suspects fled. So by the time they got there, there was no one to chase at that moment. So, so far, no arrests have been made, but we know they're working on that. There's all sorts of cameras in that area, presumably some witnesses. So again, Greg, we are hoping to get more details later today. Yeah, it's also um, of note, uh, one block from Winnipeg Police mm. Headquarters, uh, also on Graham Avenue, just that main entrance to that facility is exactly one city block to the west of where this incident occurred. And I'm trying to wrap my head around the lack of information coming from police about this incident. We're talking almost 72 hours since it happened, especially when no arrests have been made thus far. This is Winnipeg's 40th homicide of the year and just one of many deeply concerning incidents in our downtown. It was just a few months ago back June in June that a 17-year-old was stabbed to death after a concert. Kent Duick is with Inner City Youth Alive, a group that works to help kids in our city. Kent, uh, we appreciate you making time for us this morning. Sorry that it is under these circumstances. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. Often it's uh, these kinds of moments when I'm called, and uh, but happy to talk to you this morning. Well, uh, you know, I, w- I want to ask you what your thoughts were when you when you heard about this, but. I'm frustrated by the lack of information, and it's almost a sense, Kent, and you can correct me if, if you disagree or 
maybe you agree with me. It, it feels as though uh, the lack of information coming to the public about this incident is just one more indication that as a as a city, we're, we're, we're starting to accept these incidents as part of life in Winnipeg. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's a certain degree of the sort of the normalization of the negative. And uh, and I think this is dangerous um, because, you know, if we think about, you know, our downtown and how much we care about, you know, kind of the well-being of that space uh, and we think about our city as a whole, you know, you don't want to kind of get too much of a macro view of this because there's a life, you know, that was lost here. But we want to create a we want to build a city where this this doesn't continue to happen. And so how can we. How can we move from sort of normalizing this to to asking tough questions? Can't people always, you know, the, and it's maybe just human nature to rationalize things. Well, you know, it, it's in a certain neighborhood or it's a certain time or it's night or whatever. But this is, as we outlined, a busy neighborhood. And sure, it's downtown and it's had its issues. But so thousands of us walk in and around this neighborhood every single day, particularly around 1 p.m. You might have just grabbed some lunch. And so to hear something like this, I, I my reaction was wow. Uh, and also not wow in a good way. What goes to your mind? What are the first thoughts that you had just when you heard about a teenage girl stabbed downtown on Friday? Well, again, the absence of, of a whole lot of information on this, you're, you're sort of left to draw conclusions. But to me, it's just it's just sad that uh, that somebody who, who's who's doing something that's just so benign and you know you should just be able to do this be able to walk freely in your in your city and then to have this this act of violence uh, uh it's it's just devastating i think i think you, you brought up a point about the fact that people try to sort of go well that's something that happens over there and it's sort of i, I think it's a little bit of a, a way that we sort of comfort ourselves and say well I, I, that couldn't affect me but I think we have to start to come to grips with the fact that although this happened in the downtown area, that our city, um, some of these incidents are spreading out and we're seeing them in, in other communities. And yeah, so, so we have to also kind of think in terms of like there, there's no us and them. There's just us. Winnipeg has to think as a whole, you know, what happens in the downtown matters to, should matter to all of us. What happens in the North End should matter to all of us. We're, we are one city after all. Now, Kent, one victim, suspect still at large. Uh, it, there must have been witnesses. In your experience, when someone witnesses a crime, do they come forward? Or, or do you, or are people scared to come forward? I mean, I guess each situation has is unique. Uh, again, once we find out kind of what the what the nature of if this was gang if this was gang related, which I don't know, but if it was, then there's a certain set of sort of you know stitches, snitches get stitches that kind of thing. Like no one speaks, then then there's kind of gets uh, you know tamped down. But if this is is something you know something else, then uh, I hope people would come forward. I think. I think there's a, there's just a, a growing exhaustion. I know in the North End, in our community, there's just, you know, people are really hurting. And so you're seeing, um, there's a community development principle that says nothing happens until somebody gets angry. And, and so, um, you know, we, you know, n- not just sort of blind anger, obviously directed, but we're, it's getting to the point where people are getting angry. And, and we have to. Uh, we have to be repulsed by this because this is the this is the life of, of a beautiful young woman who's who had a future ahead of her, and so I think, 
yeah, we have to, uh, it kind of starts with like, this is, we've had enough. Can go ahead, continue your thoughts. Sorry, yeah, friend. That was, that was my rant. Um, yeah, I just think we have to, we have to then, we have to have measured actions as well. We have to say, okay, what, what are the ideas that got us here and, and how can we step into that and, and, uh, and, um, rethink things. Well, for me, it's, this, you know, this 14-year-old victim. We don't know because there are no suspects at this point, the age of, of the, you know, suspected assailants in this case. But we've been talking to you, discussing the idea of youth crime and youth being impacted by crime. And so, as you mentioned, this is happening all over the cities. And this rate of youth crime seems to be a problem, not just in Winnipeg, but maybe even across the country. What are you hearing out there when it comes to young people and crime? Because... I know we're intent on getting to the to the core causes here of a lot of things, addictions, homelessness, crime, all on that list. Why do kids get involved in the first place? Why are they potentially assailants? Why are they at higher risk in some circumstances of being victims? I mean, I think that, you know, it's been said that violence is the sound that pain makes. So people... Uh, if people have trauma in their own lives, then often that that trauma can act, you know, can can get enacted. And often people um, kind of express their power in the in to the in, in opposite proportion to the amount that they have felt powerless. So so that's, uh, you know, sort of a lens to sort of think about violence. Now, it doesn't. So so there's there's reasons. Right. People are acting out of their pain. But that doesn't sort of, uh, you know, <laughs> calm uh, the individual who's been the victim. And so um, I think one of the things that, that I, I keep thinking about when, when these kinds of things happen, I think as, as uh, citizens, we should be asking the question, um, was this individual, how many, like, were they out on, on bail? Because you're, there's often, you can have a handful of individuals that commit the vast majority of violent crime. And so, so, um, we recently had an, an individual who, who, who actually just implored us, somebody has to do something to stop, stop me. Uh, I feel myself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill someone. This, pers- this individual told us this, right? Teenage, pers- teenage individual. And, and so um, they were expressing the fact that, that that pain that they had, they no longer could contain it and control it. And, and they had enough sort of, you know, clarity of thought to think somebody needs to help and stop me. And, and so I feel like we, we have um, young people who are, who are lost and adults who are abdicating their responsibility and not helping that, that, that kid who's calling out for help. And uh, so um, just simple, simple stat. Uh, Ten years ago, we had about 210 to 230 spots to contain um, teen, uh, you know, minors who had committed some kind of violent offense. Now we have 80 spots. So you have this, this horrible combination. You have, you know, crime kind of rising, violent crime rising, and the number of spots to contain youth that are out of control um, reduced down to 80. So, so Ken, uh, you're talking about in the, in the, penal system yes we lost agassi and and the manitoba youth center has decreased the number of spots now i am not one for lock them up throw away the keys at all but what you'll hear 
what you'll hear in the community is sometimes, let's say if somebody's caught up in the drug trade and that sort of leads to their crime. So when they're, when they're uh, apprehended and contained, it can be a, like a circuit breaker. So if you don't, if somebody that's on a, on a kind of on a roll and, and they're committing one violent act and they're escalating, then eventually, if you don't, if you don't interrupt that cycle, they're going to go on to, to commit the ultimate act. And so, um, again, and I'm, we need to have some deep conversations about kind of the, the place that prison takes in our society. But somehow we have to figure out how to, how to contain and care for individuals that are escalating in that way. Ken Duick is with Inner City Youth Alive, a group that works to help kids in our city. Kent, thank you very much for joining us and giving us your insight. We appreciate the time. Thank you very much. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We've got tickets for AEW All Elite Wrestling coming to Canada Life Centre on April 10th. And we're asking you about... Hotel pools. You got a story about spending time at a hotel pool, and we got a huge wave of stories in the last couple of minutes here. Uh, wave. But w- there you go. <laughs> huh? Huh? Uh, but uh, we, I think we know who we're going with for our winner here, and I've loaded in more stories than we have time for. But, Greg, one of our runners-up, why don't you start us off with uh, Daryl H. My story is from the summer of 2016. I traveled to the East Coast for a trip with my two daughters and one son-in-law. We visited PEI, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. One of the nights we were staying at a hotel with a water slide. We had the pool all to ourselves, and it had a water slide, so what else can you do but compete to see which one of us can create the biggest wave? Well, my son-in-law slides down, and just as he hits the water, one of the front office staff in a suit walks in the pool area and is is immediately soaked with a large wave created by him. The staff just shook it off, turned around, left the pool area, Without a single word. And what can you say if you're that person who just got soaked? It's like, well, I walked into a pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are the risks. <laughs> uh, so I like that. Um, and another runner up here. This is Joe and Churchill. And it's actually a wrestling theme story that's pretty cool. Joe says our hockey team from Churchill flew down in 1994 to Winnipeg. What we did not realize is that the WWF wasn't now known as WWE, was in town at the same time and was actually staying at the same hotel, the airliner. Anyway, we didn't realize this until we were swimming in the pool at the hotel and we saw that in the restaurant, right beside the pool, there was Reza Ramon and Shawn Michaels eating together. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. Well, and Joe says, which by itself was pretty cool, except they were supposed to be feuding. Right. So one of us gets out of the pool and knocks on the restaurant window and throws his arms up as to to say, what the heck is going on here? (laughs) Well, in perfect character, Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid, gets up from the table, struts to the window, flipped us off, and closes the curtains. Oh, man, that's the best. <laughs> so good. Uh, but this one, this one really got to got Loren laughing. Christina wins the day, only because I'm in a family of four kids, and I I just can see this happening. Christina says, when I was six, my brother eight, my parents decided to take my brother and I to West Edmonton Mall. We were so excited to enjoy the pool waves and water slides. After going up all the stairs to the biggest water slide and sitting inside the slide, I changed my mind of going down. I had that fear. 
My brother wasn't having it, didn't hesitate to kick me so hard in the back and push me down the slide that I hit my head on every part of it going down. Safe to say I will never go down the slide first ever again. I don't know. I, that, like, I just don't think it says brother any better than that one. Just straight shot to the back, you know? He could have killed her. Well, she went up there. Get in the slide. Get in the slide. You know what's great about this story? I thought it was going to end with her saying she never went on a slide again. She just decided she doesn't have to go first again, right? Didn't well, end he, it completely. It well, didn't help. It helped with her fear, maybe. Maybe she should be thanking oh, the brother right now. Maybe she'll, she can take him to the to the Canada Life Center and kick him down the stairs. Kick That's him terrible. right, oh, kick boy. Him right into the terrible. ring. See oh, how he Brent. feels about that. <laughs> Don't encourage <laughs> Sacrificial laugh. Oh, my gosh. Kick him down the stairs. <laughs> no, that was awful. I don't know where that, <laughs> that came from. That was awful. <laughs> Sibling, <laughs> Christina, you win the AEW tickets. The title of the book is Taming Mad Dog. It is an autobiography written by a former CFL lineman and retired teacher of 30 years. The author played 11 seasons in the Canadian Football League, earning recognition as the most outstanding lineman on the Tiger Cats in two separate seasons. He also helped Hamilton to their upset Grey Cup win in 1986 versus Edmonton. Our guest also played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and began his CFL career right here. In Winnipeg with the Blue Bombers. We say good morning and, and welcome back to Winnipeg, Jason Riley. Great con- great, great to connect with you again, Jason. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, is that Greg? Yeah, it is. Hey, Greg. It was great to meet you at the Great Cup Festival here in the Hammer. Well, it was my pleasure entirely, and the ability to you know connect with, with former and current players is one of the things I've always touted is what makes the CFL special, Jason? And, you know, in Winnipeg, in Hamilton, I think the, the communities are very similar that way in terms of former players sticking around and, and connecting. You you have a terrific story of how you found out about being traded away from the Blue Bombers, and we'll ask you about that in a little bit. But this morning, you know, we've been talking about youth crime in our city this morning. A teenage girl, young girl stabbed to death in our downtown Friday afternoon. No suspects. Loren just mentioning that we're going to have... An update on that this morning, about 11.30. In getting ready for this conversation, I, I read an interview you did with uh, one, of, one of my favorite uh, football and sports writers, Steve Milton, who's retiring this year from the Hamilton Spectator. And you said this, football became an outlet for the anger that I had because I had been bullied as a child. I was a, It was a perfect outlet because I started fighting a lot as a kid to defend myself from bullies. And then you go on to say... Football basically kept me out of jail because I had become a street fire. That that stopped me in my tracks, Jason. Yeah, it, it it's uh, it's all true, and and it's funny because you know when I started writing my book uh, over COVID after retiring from teaching, um, I wrote about five hundred pages of stories just, you know, that weren't even necessarily in chronological order. I started as, you know, with my family life and that, but, uh, talked, touched on bullying and, uh, and mostly I wanted to write about, about, you know, um, the battle in the trenches, right. A raw bone story of battle in the trenches, mainly directed towards hardcore football fans and coaches that would understand what I was talking about. Well, my editor, 
didn't know anything about football. So she asked me to expand. She made me a better writer. And I thought it was a mistake at first, but she also, you know, she looked at the stories about bullying and she said, you know what, Jason, I want you to expand on that because that can be a major theme of the book too, other than football. And so when I did, it became very therapeutic and it was like a gusher opened up and I had no idea how much the bullying had impacted me as a child until I started writing about it. And, um, you know, I, I, Basically, I came to realize that uh, that I needed football because I would have probably ended up in jail because I was getting in so many fights. At first, I was getting the crap beat out of me by bigger kids that mocked me because, you know, we had moved from Ontario. We wore different clothes, had different, you know, uh, hairstyle and all that sort of stuff. And uh, my dad was a boxer in the, in the Royal Canadian Air Force Station in London, England during the Second World War. And, he taught me how to box and because he said, you know what, in this world, you got to de- be able to defend yourself. And, and so I started fighting and, and, you know, then I found football in grade eight. I finally, you know, I played all the sports in grade eight and football was the one that I loved the most. And it gave me an outlet and it, you know, because it's such a, a, a disciplined sport and such a team sport and it, forced me to be disciplined and, and deliver, you know, physicality on the field um, in a legal way. And and the kids are, you know, now that training is so good and equipment so good, you know, um, you can knock somebody down without hurting them. You know what I mean? And let and let out your aggression on the football field. So that, that became an outlet for my aggression. And, and I, I really played on that. And uh, it became... Uh, uh, a great marriage for me because it led to a professional career for me. It's neat to listen to this, Jason, because it sounds like even in the moment while you're playing football, you knew it was good for you, but it's in the later years that you recognized how in the sense of it being that outlet for anger. Is that fair? Oh, yes, definitely. And I, I, I didn't really fully realize the impact uh, that bullying had on me, like I said, until I started writing about and expanding on my experiences. Cause my, like I, I wrote detailed stories about being bullied and, but I didn't talk about how I felt. And then until mm-hmm. my editor said, please expand on this because, mm-hmm. you know, if people, readers want to read how you felt and, and they can identify with what you went through because there's, you know, everybody gets bullied at some point in their life. Well, and to, I- to one extreme or another, right? I was just going to say, there's the person who's been bullied, which many people can relate to, and then there's the person who might be the bully themselves. And I'm curious if you feel like the both could benefit from having that outlet. Oh, oh, yes, definitely. As a matter of fact, now, my book's actually been quite successful uh, in the Hamilton area and uh, also online. It's available um, as well. We can talk about that later. But... Um, I've now been speaking to people in the local community about uh, speaking and, you know, uh, uh, doing an anti-bullying campaign. And I'm, I'm hoping to develop uh, some resources and, you know, some video clips of my career and things like that so that I can actually really do a good job of, of preventing this, uh, you know, the whole concept of bullying prevention and also, you know, supporting the kids that are the bullies too, because they're bullying for a reason. And if we can get to the root of that that issue, we can help the bullies and we can help the the kids that are the victims. 
Our guest is Jason Riley, the author of Taming Mad Dog, and he is a retired CFL player, retired teacher, and we're curious, how did you get into teaching? Well, it's funny because I started uh, supply teaching as an uncertified teacher in Hamilton because back then, they, in, back in, the, in the late 80s, they had a shortage of teachers here. So I, I was approached by a trustee that knew me. He was a high school football coach, Tom Gallagher, at uh, Cathedral High School here in Hamilton. And he said, you know what, Jason, have you thought about a second career and I, you know, after football? And I said, I said well, I've been do- dabbling in a lot of things. He says, well, do you, have a, do you have a university degree? I said, yes. He says, have you ever thought about teaching? I said, yes, <laughs> I have. And uh, he said, well, you know what, maybe uh, that's something you can you can do. And so I went and I had the interview, and I, they were so short of teachers, they, they would have hired anybody. So I, <laughs> they, uh, they hired me as an uncertified teacher, and I, I enjoyed it. So I ended up going to teacher's call. I have a saint for a wife because we had three small children at the time, and uh, I still was able to go to teacher's college while I was playing football because of Paulette's support. That is, uh... and, and as a matter of fact, in the taming part, it was Paulette that tamed me, by the way, <laughs> my wife. Well, so many stories in your book and so many, um, you know, revelations and conversations to have out of it. Unfortunately, we, you know, we only have another 90 seconds or so with you, Jason, but you have to tell us, you told this story and, and you, you might have to modify it somewhat for radio, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it well, was, I, will tell you, I think really it was quickly. CJOB that uh, let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. I think so. And so, so anyway, we, we had a, I, I was drafted, I, Cal Murphy drafted me in the first round back in 1983 out of UBC as a defensive end, you know? So I came to defense, I came to, to Winnipeg and I was on the defensive line with Pete Caton and Stan Mikowas and those and guys like that, Doug McIver, God bless him. He's gone now. But uh, anyway, I joined the, the crew and uh, I made the team, but on the, third game of the season I broke my foot really badly and so anyway I come back fast forward I come back I'm coming back first practice back from my injury and we had a bye that weekend and uh, myself with Pat Kantner uh, that really popular fullback that, with Winnipeg for about five years he, he was my teammate at UBC Peter Vandenbos God bless him he just passed a couple of weeks ago uh, he was my offense. He was an offensive lineman, teammate at UBC, and then Rick Pollich played at U of A. And the four of us were all rooming together in Winnipeg, playing for the rough, playing for uh, Blue Bombers. And uh, we we, just, we got this by, and we drove down to Pembina after practice on Friday night. And of course, we didn't have cell phones or anything. We're coming home from Pembina at about two or three o'clock in the morning, and uh, we were going to go fishing the next day. So Pat and Peter stopped off at the uh, liquor at the liquor store, duty free. Bought some beers for the tr- fishing trip. They drive up beside us after we we kept going. It was foggy. They drive up beside us. Hey, Jason, you've been tra- you've been traded to Saskatchewan. I said, why? Yes, full of crap. I said, I just kept going. I thought, you know what? Used to bug. If you wanted to bug somebody, you'd say you've been traded, right? So. He says, no, put the radio on in your car. So I put the radio on in my, my 280Z back then. I put popped, popped the radio on. Sure enough, Jason, uh, Blockbuster Trade, uh, Jason Riley, Nate. Uh, uh, Nate Johnson. Nate Johnson and, uh, and, my, and uh, 
a receiver. I apologize, I didn't write the names down. But uh, the three of us were, were traded uh, for John Hoffnagel and John Pelusi. <laughs> and, and, and I heard about it on the radio in my car. So when we went fishing the next day, I called Cal Murphy from the bait shop, and I said, hey, Cal, I just heard on the radio in my car that I've been traded. Thanks a lot for telling me. Boy, he was, he, he was a real tough guy, but he was sheepish on that call because he felt so bad. I think he truly felt bad that, that you know, that the cat was out of the bag before, um, you know, before uh, I had known about it. You know, but only because it wasn't intentional. It was just the fact that there was no cell phones, no way of communicating with me after I left town. Jason, this so. is great. We do have to let you run, though. We're up against the clock. Real quick, how do we get our hands on this book? Oh, uh, lulu.com. You can order it online at lulu.com. And once you're on, on the site, you can scroll down or shop our bookstore and search Taming Mad Dog, and you can buy it from lulu.com. And it's twenty four ninety five. Uh, keeping the price low so that we can do good because proceeds go to the CFL Alumni Support Fund and uh, Red Cross Bullying Prevention Program. Jason Riley joining us live on 680 CJOB. Many thanks for joining us, Jason. This has been fascinating stuff.